Do you understand what it takes to be a school nurse in the 21st century? Let's dive deep into the complexities of school nursing, as well as being a Latinx nurse in the United States in 2019 with my guest Gloria Barrera, right here on episode 227 of The Nurse Keith Show. Well, hello and welcome to the Nurse Keith Show. I am so grateful you're here, whether it's your first time tuning in or you've been hanging out with me here on the virtual airwaves in the podcast world for months or years. Thank you for being part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. This podcast is all about you and your nursing career, and I'm here to share education, ideas, diatribes, and informative interviews with some of the most inspiring people from the worlds of healthcare nursing, and beyond. And did you know you can leave a rating and review for The Nurse Keith Show over on iTunes or Apple Podcasts? That's right. It really helps other people find the show. And if you would pretty please do that for me, shoot me an email at keith at nursekeith.com and I will read your review on air and thank you personally. Meanwhile, if you want to see the show notes for this episode, head on over to nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number two two. Seven. Anyway, today we are here with Gloria Barrera. She is a nurse from Illinois and she is a school nurse. And we're going to dig deep into school nursing and many, many other things that Gloria is involved in. So, Gloria, welcome to the Nurse Keith Show. Thank you for having me, Keith. I'm so happy to have you. Now, you and I met at the National Association of Hispanic Nurses in Texas a few years ago, and I didn't realize at the time that you were a school nurse, and that is something that many nurses don't even think or talk about, school nurses. Do you find that it's true that school nurses kind of get the short end of the stick in nursing? Yeah, I would agree with that statement. I think we are kind of the hidden healthcare system that a lot of us don't know about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, working in schools, I'm sure can be really challenging. I've talked to different school nurses over the years and interviewed a few for various websites I write for. And it seems like school nurses aren't what we used to think of as school nurses back in the 50s and 60s, or even maybe the 80s or 90s. So why is school nursing so much more complex now than it was, let's say, 30 years ago? What What is 21st century school nursing like? I would say that for, for today's school nurse, they are dealing with more students with chronic health conditions. That being said, there's about 56.6 million students attending elementary and secondary schools. And there's there's data that's, that states that there's one out of every four that may have a chronic health condition. One out of every four? Right. That is astronomical, but I shouldn't be surprised. So, And when you say chronic health conditions, tell us the top few that come to mind when you think of the the students you care for? What are the diagnoses and conditions that often children bring into, into the room? Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll share this, that I have um, approximately 2,800 students that I care for. And of those, I probably see that there's a prevalence in cardiac diagnosis, uh, students with life-threatening food allergies, students who have seizures, require daily medications, and students uh, suffering from mental health issues. 
Wow. How about diabetes, hypertension, obesity? Are those in there too? Yes. Yes. And, and of okay. course, asthma. And do you once in a while see, see students with HIV or hep C or anything like that? I've had experience with only one HIV diagnosis in my, okay. my 10 years of practice. Mm -hmm. Okay. So some of it is quote unquote lifestyle diseases, right? Obesity, et cetera, et cetera. And then we also have chronic cardiac. So where is all this cardiac stuff coming from? Like what, why are we seeing that? Or is it just because those students didn't used to be going to an, a regular school? Yeah, I would say that there's been a shift in where students are learning. Um, so maybe before, you know, decades before they weren't integrated into the public health setting, um, but now they are. So a lot of the students that nurses care for in in the hospital or in the clinic setting, those are the students that we are seeing um, every day in schools now. Wow. Now, you just said something. You said public health setting. So most people probably don't equate school nursing with public health, but it is a form of public health, right? Yes. So I, I consider myself a public health nurse specializing in school nursing. Okay. And when you go to school and get certified, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, when you go to school for school nursing and you get that credential, are you told by your professors and those who are guiding you that you are now a public health nurse? Well, it's integrated into our, our education. So we, we have part of our certification program. It's a clinical-like atmosphere where we mm -hmm. shadow a school nurse. Um, and then we also take um, courses related to some of the, the students that we're going to be caring for. So that would be students with uh, special needs, especially. I see. Okay. And your credentials are MSN, RN, P-E-L-CSN. So we all know what MSN-RN is. What is P-E-L-CSN? Uh, so that's the school nurse uh, professional educator licensure with an endorsement in school nursing. So professional education licensure, P-E-L, and then CSN mm -hmm. is certified school nurse. Yes. And so that recognizes the unique knowledge uh, required for nursing professionals in the education setting. I see. Okay. And you said a few minutes ago that you're responsible for 2,800 students. And That's is correct. that elementary school? Um, so I'm currently practicing in a high school. Oh, it's high school. And is it one mm -hmm. school where you have 2,800 students? Yes. So I'm part of uh, a two-district high school. And in my one high school, that's, that's how many students I, I see. Oh, my God. Okay. That's a lot. <laughs> uh, is that normal, like for one nurse to have to kind of carry the load of that many thousand of students? Not that you see every one of those 2,800 students, but that's still a big student body. Is that normal for one nurse mm -hmm. to have that kind of caseload? Well, I, I'd like to correct that. I actually, that's, that is my caseload. So I do have to um, service them. But um, just to put that into perspective for last year, the number of student visits um, to the nursing office was uh, seven seven thousand nine hundred and eighty eight students. Um, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> wow. I'm just, my mind is blown already. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> that's a lot of visits. 
That is, yes. So the National Education Association estimates that there is one school nurse for every 2,893 students in Illinois. So that's compared with one for every 275 students in Vermont, for example. Um, Whoa, so would that, that is be, an enormous difference, Gloria. Yes, yes. So <laughs> it's probably not ideal, but I think we're, we're getting there. Okay. So let's go back to like 30 years ago, right? So... Mm-hmm. Students who had trachs or had cerebral palsy or we were in wheelchairs with different conditions or who had other chronic health conditions or seizures, they were not mainstreamed 20, 30 years ago, right? They were going to other types of programs in order to receive the care and education they needed. Is that correct for the most part? Yes, that's correct. Okay. So are you aware yourself of the history and when this big shift started to happen? Was it this century? Was it the end of the 20th century? Like, when did schools start to have all these mainstreamed kids who have all these various conditions? When did that start to shift? I think it would be um, this century mm-hmm. that there was that, that shift of having those students with chronic health conditions uh, being just mainstreamed because of students with um, special education services. Now, now they were able to have an education in the public health setting. I see. And, you know, mm-hmm. if I just called up a nurse right now, like some random nurse and said, Hey, uh, what do you think a school nurse does? Or if actually mm-hmm. let's not even say a nurse, let's say a, a regular lay person, they might say, Oh, they give out aspirin to students and they take care of them when they fall and cut their knee or, you know, stuff like that, unless they're a parent and they're really aware of what a school nurse does. But it sounds like to me that you could be doing trachs, you could be doing G-tube feedings, you could be dispensing meds, dealing with emergencies. I mean, your level of expertise that you need in the school setting caring for so many students must be pretty high. You have to know a lot about a lot. Um, yes. So I would say that it's the equivalent of um, the, the same practice that you would see in like an, an urgent care setting. That's that's the same that we see at in a school nursing office, um, but with with less resources. So, of course, we don't we can't start um, IVs or any of those type of interventions, but we still see those students and we have to make sure that they're referred out to get the, the care that they need after they're seen. I see. Okay. And to become a school nurse, you have your MSN, you have your RN. How does one go about getting this certification? And do you need the PELCSN certification in order to step foot in an office and serve as a school nurse? Um, So right now there is a shortage of available nurses with the school endorsement. Um, So the stopgap measure would be to hire RNs without the PELCSN certification. Um, However, to really be specialized and to care for the students that that are seen daily in our office, um, that that PELCSN really is uh, the gold standard uh, here in Illinois. And is it the gold standard in other states too? Are you aware if that's true around the country? Here in the United um, I would argue, yeah, I would argue yes, um, because that is the position of the National Association of School Nurses. I see. Okay. So, you know, let's say there's a nurse sitting out there listening and she works in PD, 
Like maybe she works on PD oncology floor, or I don't know, maybe even in a clinic where children are seen. If that nurse thinks, you know, I think school nursing would be kind of cool. I could have teacher's hours. I could probably have summers off and holidays off and weekends off. If she wanted to explore, I'm assuming she could speak to someone like you and say, hey, what is it like? But if she really wanted to go for it and she already had an RN or an MSN or a BSN, does she just have to sit for this exam and get her certification and then she can start applying for jobs? Um, Well, there's also a 300-hour internship under supervision that would be also required here in Illinois. Um, So that that would be included in the, the licensure program. Okay. And if that nurse wants to find out what's required in her state, say she lives in Pennsylvania or New York or something, does she call the Board of Nursing? Should she contact the National Association of School Nurses? Where does she get the information so that she can make the right choice? I would point anyone towards the National Association of School Nurses for further information, because I think that um, every state differs, and I can only speak to what, what Illinois requires. I see. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is really fascinating. I mean, I love children. I've never worked in PD. I've worked in clinics where I, you know, gave immunizations and stuff like that. But I've never really worked with kids per se. But I love them. And I'm assuming you got to love kids to be able to do this job. Yes. Because they're <laughs> like, you're there all the time with all these kids and you've got to really enjoy what you do. Right? Yeah, I would I would really say that my passion is public health and uh, improving child health outcomes um, in our most vulnerable populations. So I'm I'm committed to the vision that every child, no matter their zip code, um, have access to a school nurse. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. And we need people like you because our kids are the future. Right. It's a cliche, but it's so true. And, Mm -hmm. you know. Here in New Mexico, where I live, it's, I think, the third least populous state by per capita per square mile in the country. I think Wyoming might be number one or Montana or something. But we have big, big, big open spaces here. And one of the struggles we've had in New Mexico specifically is keeping funding for school-based clinics. Because when you go out to these very remote counties of New Mexico, I mean, really like out in the middle of nowhere in the high desert, you often have hundreds of miles to go in order to get to a real clinic or an actual hospital, you know, really far. So what we Mm -hmm. find is that these school-based clinics, some of them serve the kids, but they also serve some adults as well, because it could be the only place people get any care other than going to the emergency room. So school-based clinics are important here for different reasons. And in let's say Chicago and around Illinois, you're a much more populous state. So I'm assuming that when you work in a school in Illinois, you're really only going to be treating children and you're not going to be really treating anyone in the outside community. Is that true? Is that a a safe assumption on my part? Um, That is a safe assumption, but oftentimes uh, for students without insurance, I'm their only access to a healthcare provider, much like you described. Um, It's something that's been almost a tagline for uh, NASN that is backed by evidence that healthier students are are better learners. 
So for example, studies have shown that having access to a full-time school nurse and providing asthma education programs to students um, and sometimes to their families uh, leads to improved symptom management and fewer school absences. So even though we're not directly providing services for for families, um, we still are giving education. Right. I was going to say, you know, if a parent comes in and maybe they're not educated enough about the child's asthma and you're the only healthcare provider that that child sees on any regular basis, maybe other than urgent care or the emergency room, you're going to have to sit that parent down and say, here, here's a pamphlet about asthma. Let's talk about how to use a spacer, right? You do all that kind of Correct. stuff. Yes. Yeah. And when your child's having an asthma attack, use this rescue inhaler when they need their maintenance. This is what you're going to do. So you have to do tons of education of adults and children. Mm-hmm. Yes. And do you also educate teachers? Are you Is that one of your roles as well? Um, yeah, so I always see the the students, staff, and the communities as the the people that I care for. Mm-hmm. So I just don't stop with the students. Okay. And when you say care for as well, I'm assuming sometimes, I'm making a lot of assumptions today, I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, I'm assuming (laughs) that, you know, if a teacher is having an asthma attack or twists their ankle or has cardiac symptoms, you're the one who's going to be triaging them and figuring out what the heck's going on, right? Yes, I, I would often be called first um, and then take it from there once I identified that it was a staff member making sure that uh, emergency response is followed up with. Right. Wow. So nurses are wonderful people and they also can be very judgmental of one another. And Mm -hmm. me, for instance, I'm an entrepreneur. I don't work clinically anymore. And I think there are probably nurses out there who think, oh, Keith's not a real nurse. He doesn't really see patients anymore. Right. And someone who works in the ICU or the ER or whatever might think, oh, a school nurse? Oh my God, that is such an easy job. So Mm -hmm. how do we educate or do we choose to educate other nurses so that we can elevate the specialty of school nursing and have student nurses and other nurses understand how important school nursing is and the the vast complexity of what you do. How do you get that point across and who do you talk to? Mm-hmm. Well, I can say personally that that I try to to make it um, my, my personal mission just to speak about my specialty um, because a lot of times I run into colleagues and, and they really don't know what, what a school nurse does. Um, and also I, I teach, so I adjunct uh, teach at, at several universities, um, most notably DePaul University and my alma mater, St. Xavier University here in Chicago. Um, And I make sure that I integrate the school nurse's role um, within my courses. So I I teach legal and ethical issues in nursing, community health nursing, nursing leadership, advanced physical assessment, just to name a few. But I, I often just try to sprinkle in there wherever I can school nursing so that, you know, the students also are aware um, that that this is a specialty and that there there's a lot that goes into this. It's an important specialty too. I mean, what could be more important mm-hmm. than making sure kids are healthy enough to learn, right? I mean, right. they're, they're going to be the next senators and business leaders and politicians and police officers and 
people in the military, I mean, they need to learn so they can get out in the world and, and make change, right? And do good work in the world. So right. we're going to take a quick break. Don't touch that dial. When we come back, we're going to talk more about the school nursing and underserved populations. But I also want to talk about your work with the National Association of Hispanic Nurses and all the other work we do. You, All the other work you do, not me do, that I do. <laughs> so um, don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. So now we're going to take a pause for the cause for just a moment. Please consider becoming a patron of the Nurse Keith Show, just like other listeners who value the show so much that they want to give just a little bit each month to support the work we're doing here. When you pledge, you not only get the satisfaction of helping produce and support the show, you also get some pretty nifty premiums and gifts directly from yours truly. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash nurse Keith to read all about it. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash nurse Keith. Also, please consider signing up for my newsletter at nursekeith.com so that you can receive my bi-weekly message just for you. Finally, if someone you know could benefit from career coaching with me, please consider referring them. And if they become a paying client, even if they do one session, you'll receive credit for one hour of coaching with me. And there's no expiration date on that credit. And you can keep it in your back pocket until you need it most. Remember that you can refer as many people as you like and continue to earn those coaching credits over time. What a deal. Those are my sincere asks of you, dear listener. So now let's dig back into today's topic. And we're back. Thanks for hanging out with me here and school nurse and amazing individual Gloria Barrera. We're going to talk more with her in a second. This is episode 227 of the Nurse Keith Show. And of course, the show notes are at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 227. Gloria, thanks for hanging out here for the second half. And before the break, we were talking about school nursing, how important it is, how, you know, the different people who you educate and treat, how many thousands of students you're responsible for and the thousands of visits you do every year with those students. And we were also talking about some of your, well, this might be a funny word to use in this particular context, but your extracurricular activities outside right. <laughs> of school. So you are a certified school nurse. You are an adjunct professor of nursing at two different universities in the Chicago area. We covered that. Now, you and I met at the National Association of Hispanic Nurses Leadership Institute in January of 2018 in San Antonio. And that was really fun. And I'm so glad you reached back out to me. Now, tell us about your involvement with NON, the National Association of Hispanic Nurses. What do you do with NON? And mm -hmm. tell us why NON is so important right now. Um, well, I currently serve as treasurer of the National Association of Hispanic Nurses, the Illinois chapter. And the reason that it's important is because it's the nation's leading professional society for Latino nurses. So for me, it's really important to to make sure that that I educate the next uh, Latino nurse or Latina nurse and just try to role model 
for them to to be all that they can um, within our within our profession. So we we do advocate, educate, volunteer, and and seek partnerships with conducting programming in in their community to improve outcomes, um, elevating literacy, um, heighten education, and influence policy. Wow. Okay, that's a that's a tall order. A lot of important stuff that happens with the National Association of Hispanic Nurses, and you know. I don't even know the statistics right now of how many, what percentage of Americans are of Hispanic origin, but it is huge, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes, and and what's what's striking is that only less than seven percent of the nursing workforce is of Latino descent. Um, seven so what non- percent. Yes, seven percent. So what non does? Okay. Yeah, it provides an opportunity to network um, with other Latino nurses. I see. Okay. So I've read and heard through, I think it's either the census or the Bureau of Labor Statistics, I don't know, that by 2030, or is it 2035, that the United States will be 50% Latino. Is that about right? I, I think, yeah, I've heard those statistics. Yeah. And when we talk about a Latino population or growing Latino population, we also have to talk about drum roll, please. We have to talk about immigration, right? Mm -hmm. So of course, this is important in states like Texas and here in New Mexico and Arizona and California, all the states that border Mexico, our southern neighbor, of course. Mm -hmm. But we have legal and illegal immigrants all over the country, right? I'm sure there's plenty Mm -hmm. in Chicago and Illinois too, in those surrounding areas. So when you're working in either a school or a hospital or anywhere, and you come across someone who you think is undocumented, what do you find most nurses want to do with that information or not do with that information about someone's documentation status? Well, it's really interesting that that you ask that question. I, I just came back from uh, a Latinx nurse conference. So this was last, well, the last last week on Thursday and Friday, mm-hmm. it was held in uh, Greater San Jose. It was their conference um, through the National Association of Hispanic Nurses, that chapter. And it, it was it was really interesting that I got to just hear how to best serve the, the community across borders. Um, that was the name of their conference uh healthcare without borders Wonderful. and it, it kind yeah it kind of gave us the tools that we needed to address social determinants of health um related to um like you mentioned sometimes undocumented people yeah and undocumented people i've read and heard they often don't want to go to the er because they think they're going to be discovered that they're undocumented and then turned into ice or something mm-hmm. so There's lots of fear out there, and there's reasons to be fearful right now in this country and other Mm -hmm. countries as well. But here in the U.S., there's a lot of stuff going on politically. We're not going to get too deep into that. But needless to say that it's a scary time for a lot of people out there of Hispanic origin. And you just used a term that I want to make sure someone listening didn't feel confused by. Mm-hmm. I've heard this term before, but I want you to explain it. What is Latin X? Oh, sure. Um, so that's 
that's kind of a newer term. Um, I'm still learning to to kind of use it myself. Um, so before the the term that was widely accepted was uh, Latino, um, mm-hmm. and now Latin X is saying that it's it could be um, either female or male because Latino, of course, has more of a male. Uh, connotation yes. to it because um, right, it's a gendered language so you have o is for male a is for masculine uh, feminine yes right? that's correct mm-hmm. yeah okay so latinx is what people are using and this isn't just political correctness this is actually trying to identify a group and give it a, a identity that that means something right correct. so latinx is what's being used to kind of identify the the wider latino or hispanic community that's correct. And I'm, I'm fairly bilingual and have worked in the Hispanic community a lot throughout my, my tenure as a nurse these last few decades. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people in my position or people who know even less than I do mm-hmm. are confused whether to call someone Hispanic or Latino. And can you elucidate for us, if possible, why we get confused and if there's a way for us to be less confused or is there is there no place for confusion in that particular respect um i i still use hispanic um of course mm-hmm. looking at uh the association it, it it has it still national association of hispanic nurses um right. it doesn't say latinx nurses um so i think that it it can be used uh interchangeably but with uh maybe peer reviewing uh, articles or if you're if you're writing for a publication then it would be Latin X I see okay so that is really making its way into academia Latin X right mm-hmm. okay I always was told back in the day that Hispanic referred more to people with of Spanish origin, like Spain, Spanish origin, and the Latino or Latina referred more to Central and South America. But I've heard that that's not quite accurate anymore, and that we're moving away from trying to divvy up the Hispanic or Latino community because it's such a wide community. And, you know, here in New Mexico, this is a very Latino or Latinx state. Mm-hmm. See, I'm starting to learn how to use the, the word. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm trying to get there. I'm, I'm trying to be better. So this is a widely Latinx state mm-hmm. and uh, very Catholic. And we have mostly New Mexicans, people who have been here for centuries, like generation upon generation. Many of their families came from Mexico, but many came from Spain too. So it can be a little confusing when you have all these different communities. So it's it's just an interesting exercise in our culture right now to figure out how to how to refer to a particular particular group and we want to be respectful. So you're with the National Association of Hispanic Nurses Illinois chapter and I understand that you're also you represent the American Public Health Association's Public Health Nursing Section in the Nursing Coalition on Climate Change and Health. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> Let me say that one more time if there was a listener out there who wasn't paying attention. You represent the American Public Health Association's Public Health Nursing Section in the Nursing Coalition on Climate Change and Health. Can you tell us something about that? Because that is a mouthful and there's a lot to unpack right there. 
Yeah, so actually, um, I also serve on, I serve on that, and then I also serve on the Alliance of Nurses for uh, Healthy Environments for their policy um, and advocacy committees, um, and also their climate change committee. Um, so what, what I've sort of identified was that with with my work in public health, I've been seeing that there's an increase in uh, chronic illness such as asthma related to the environment. Um, so that is something that that I've kind of developed a passion for within mm. within public health. And what is the conversation happening within these organizations around climate change and its relationship to health and vice versa? What what are you hearing right now in 2019 about these issues? What are the things that are top of mind for you right now? Um, well, for me specifically, uh, as a school nurse in in Illinois and within my practice, I, I've been noticing an increase in the amount of students with asthma. So okay. on average, in a classroom of, let's say, 30, there's about three students um, that are likely to have asthma. So to address this concern, I'm, I'm just working on the better management of asthma in schools and then also educating about the impact of air quality on student health. Mm-hmm. And you and I both know, and we won't go deep into the politics of this, of course, but sure. well, we could, but we're not going to, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, that some people say, well, climate change isn't real and kids have asthma because they have asthma. Mm-hmm. But you and I both know that something's going on out there, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. do you see the rates as a as a master's prepared nurse interested in public health? Are you seeing these major changes and is it give you very large cause for concern? Yeah, I, I would say that, that that is a cause for concern. Um, and mm-hmm. I am kind of making it one of my, my priorities to just uh, speak to legislators on the need to, to really uh, have improved policy on, on air quality. Mm-hmm. Right. And if we think about climate refugees, there's going to be more and more of those as the years go by. I mean, desertification, mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about desserts that you eat. I mean, deserts. <laughs> yes. the desertification around the world is growing and we're going to have areas either desertification where people are refugees because they're trying to find a place where they can actually live that's hospitable. And mm-hmm. then we have people, we have entire island nations out there in the, the Pacific, for instance, that are disappearing. So mm-hmm. we have we have fires, we have tornadoes and hurricanes, we have droughts, we have flooding, there's a lot of stuff going on. And then we also have to worry about the impact of the sun on people's health as the atmosphere changes, right? So there's there's a lot of things going on. And I'm so appreciative that you're involved with the American Public Health Association working on these issues and also the Alliance of Nurses for Healthy Environments. And that Alliance of Nurses for Healthy Environments, is their mission around environmental issues only? Is that what they're focused on? Environmental health? Um, I, I would say yes. It's it's well they they focus on the environmental health in the US and then also globally. So there is a, a global aspect to a it, well the acronym is ANI. So it's A N H E. Okay, got it. Okay. So as we start to wind down, I want to turn the clock back a little bit back to school nursing for a second. So when we are talking about school nursing, 
whether it's with the Latinx community or not, or whatever it ha- you happen to be doing, what is one of your goals or several of your goals for that particular specialty? Is there something that you want to see happen that you think is actually a realistic wish for your particular specialty and the area that really captures your heart and your mind? Um, I, I would say within my lifetime, um, I, I really am committed to that vision that mm-hmm. uh, every child will have access to a school nurse uh, here in Illinois. Okay. That's great. And around the country also. Yes. <laughs> and, <laughs> and in terms of the specialty, it sounds like one of the things you do as part of your mission, if I may, mm-hmm. is you in the universities where you teach nursing, you make sure the students understand the importance of school nursing. That's correct. Yeah. So just right. to, to make sure that there's an awareness of the specialty of school nursing um, so that, that it can be elevated. Okay. And then tying this back together to what you and I have been talking about since the break, in terms of the Latinx community, whether it's children or adults or whatever, what is what are several of your goals or part of your mission personally and professionally around the Latinx community and their health collectively and individually? Um, I would say that to have just the promotion of academic uh, attainment for uh, Latinx nurses and for there to be more mentorship and professional development, and then to also reshape healthcare in the Hispanic community through our chapter and through the the National Association, um, just to provide more care to people that look like us. So there's there there's no gaps in how we provide care because we, I mean, we look like the patients that we serve. Right. And I've seen some research. I, I don't think it's anecdotal. I think it's, it's more, more academic than that, that when a patient sees a provider mm-hmm. who looks like them or, or comes from their community, they're much more likely to follow that provider's uh, recommendations. Do you think that's true? Yes, and and to well, it it leads to then improved health outcomes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So you have a lot on your plate. You are trying to elevate. Well, you are elevating the the profession of school nursing, mm-hmm. and at the same time, you're also working to elevate the 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 health that's being brought to delivered to children mm-hmm. of any race or or color, et cetera. And mm-hmm. you're also looking at how to improve outreach and outcomes for the Latinx community, which is a, a large community of people from many, many countries around the world, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So that's that's a lot for you to accomplish. And before we go, is there anything about either of these main subjects, school nursing and the Latinx community, is there anything we haven't mentioned that you'd like to make sure we, we get into this conversation? If there's not, that's okay. <laughs> um, well, i just like to, again, highlight that as uh, school nurses, we are at the front line of disease surveillance, and we serve as change agents within our schools and the community and that we ensure students have access to primary, secondary, and tertiary prevention measures. And like I mentioned before, we are the hidden healthcare system in the U.S., and um, I'd just like to have more conversations about what it is that we do and, and how we can improve. 
That's very, very important. Now, in the show notes at nursekeith.com forward slash episode 227, we're going to have a link to the National Association of School Nurses, which is nasn.org. We're also going to have a link to your LinkedIn profile so that people can connect with you there. If you try to connect with Gloria, please send her a personalized message. That's what I'm always teaching people about LinkedIn. Don't just send her a generic message. Say, hey, I heard you on the Nurse Keith show. And you will also have a link to the National Association of Hispanic Nurses and anything else that you want to make sure I have, just send it over to me and we'll have it there for people who are listening, who want to connect with everything you're talking about. And Gloria, one last question. So in your professional life from this point forward, and you're, you're young, so you've got a lot of years ahead of you. Um, you don't have to tell us how old you are, but- That's okay. Is there something that you want to accomplish? Like, do you want to get a PhD? Do you want to, you know, be a senator? Like, is there something that you're looking at that you would like that you're working towards that you're willing to share here on the show? (laughs) Sure. I think that, yeah, at at some point um, within the next five years, I would like to to earn a, a doctorate. I'm not sure yet if it's going to be a PhD or a DNP, but I do know okay. that it'll serve uh, within my scope of practice and definitely um, serve my, my passion. So that would be in, in public health and looking at the Latinx communities and or school nursing. Okay. So PhD or DNP, and you'll do some research in that process, I'm sure, um, and which you could publish then. And another question I have for you, mm-hmm. do you have a book inside you that you want to write? <laughs> um, I'm not sure. <laughs> I put you on the spot. I, I'll tell you, as a writer, as a nurse writer, I just see that you have so much expertise, you know so much, and you're, you have so many different passions that I feel like a book by you, either about school nursing or even more about being a Latinx nurse and what that means, or about the public health issues that you see in the Latinx community, I think that could be a really important book for you to write. So let's check back in in five years and have you on yeah. when you know, you're on I the think, New York Times bestsellers I, list. <laughs> I think it would be a, a really important um, book for, for me to read um, that mm-hmm. I would agree with you. Um, How about right, so, yeah, so I'm right. Teasing you. I'm sorry. Well, it's because it's it's not written yet. So I think that um yeah, there's there's a gap there. So I think you know, you gave me something to think about. Okay. You heard it here, folks. You heard it here first, folks. Gloria's writing a book. It'll be out in a few years and she'll be back when she's on the New York Times bestseller list. So there you go. <laughs> Case closed. <laughs> All right. Well, Gloria Barrera, you are amazing. You are a force to be reckoned with. And thank you for doing such wonderful work with children and communities of color and underserved communities, and also for being a champion of the Latinx community around the United States and specifically in your beloved Illinois and Chicago, too. So thank you for all the wonderful work you do. It's really impressive. Thank you. Thank you so much for saying so. That means a lot coming from you. Um, I just wanted to really say that because of listening to your keynote address um, back at the Latino Leadership Institute, um, you you told us to think boldly um, about our roles and to aspire to be inspired. And um, that that's what I'm trying to do. I said that. You did. <laughs> no, I, know, I know I did. <laughs> well, thank you. That's very kind of you. Thank you. 
Well, there you have it. Thank you for listening to this awesome episode, I must say myself, of the Nurse Keith Show. Remember, those show notes are at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 227. You can reach out to Gloria Barrera and also look into all these amazing organizations in which she takes part. I hope you feel uplifted, empowered, and educated from this episode. I certainly do. And I encourage you to take inspired action every day in the interest of your personal and professional satisfaction and happiness. And did you know there are job listings at nursekeith.com? That's right. You can find jobs from reload.com and ZipRecruiter in the resources section, drop down menu at nurse keith.com there are other resources there for you as well please check them out the nurse keith show is edited and produced by tim hollowell and his wonderful team at the podcastinggroup.com and mark cappy Spiesen is our social media ringmaster please keep tuning in again and again as we continue to explore how to powerfully and consistently elevate your nursing career and your life into your very own personal and professional stratosphere. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch. And this is Nurse Keith saying adios until next time from beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico, and Gloria Barrera saying goodbye from... Chicago. (laughs) Chicago, Illinois. Thank you, Gloria, and we will see everyone on the flip side.